Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? After hosting Steel Tip Dove just last week, the Backwoods Invasion continues today in episode 80 of the Rap Music Plug podcast as we welcome an exceptional rapper from Philly, member of the Wrecking Crew and Backwoods Studios, who has been delivering absolutely electric performances on just about anything he touches for many years now, who first hooked me in with his excellent collaboration with Prem Rock in 2020 as Shrapnel. And then as I went back into his catalog, I grew to really appreciate a lot of his work, especially Tosh and the Blue Edwards record with Small Professor in particular. Those are just really great. But in 2021, I feel like his star has reached even greater heights now, punctuated first by a crazy feature of the year candidate on Haram, the Arm & Hammer record with Alchemist, but then also his compilation record, Steel's Kitchen with The Wrecking Crew, and finally his latest solo album, Little Robert Hutton. So... Without further ado, I'm happy to welcome to the show, Curly Castro. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. What the guan? What up, people? What Castro up? here in full effect, you know? Hey, hey, walk and live, talking bumper clot good. Sharpen your teeth, oh, it's Campbell to your head. Third world cop, stranger, shoot above the vest. Mike Vick Vaughn ain't no man above the wreck. Derek Hawk called, almost stole a Bill Russell. But stocks went wild for the night. Hakeem chuckled. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to have you because I just feel like I would say probably from 2019, as I'm thinking as a good starting point, probably 2018, 2019, I feel like the Backwoods stock in general has just skyrocketed. So as a part of that catapulting you, artists like Woods, Prem Rock, and the rest of the whole crew to the forefront of not only the underground, but from my observations, you're starting to really make real waves amongst just kind of like more casual listeners too, which I think is super exciting. Um, so how does it feel being part of such a cutting edge and impactful imprint in the hip hop game? Well, um, one thing is just, it feels blessed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, rarefied air, not everybody gets a shot at the spot, you know? Um, but it's just, it's just, it's good. It's reaffirming, you know, like we all believe in our work. And so, you know, we're doing it in our own vacuum, not necessarily looking for acclaim and all that stuff. We just hoping that that comes, but we're still gonna stay, you know, who we are. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I always tweet out there like backwards is an army, better yet a Navy. That's that mm-hmm. old, uh, um, no limit of, yeah. uh, uh, well, I mean, juvenile shit. But it, to me, it's like backwards is an army, better yet a, a fucking nanotech over, overlordian uh, Death Star micro unit. That's, that's what's really in your vaccines. So people didn't know. <laughs> It's actually backwards DNA um, nanobots. So that's oh, why, yeah, that's why people like this shit, you know. 60 billion. 
That's an easy way to get that's that's the best way to promote your album, slipping in the vaccine. Oh my god. No, man, like it's it's insane what you guys are doing. I just feel like I I feel very similar. Again, I wasn't I'm speaking with less uh what do you call it personal experience, but more just kind of like through my understanding of how the game has gone, especially in the underground in the past like decades, but feels very impactful, similar to deaf jokes. And if I if I say right now, I can say comfortably, it seems like you guys are going to outlast their kind of impact, which was super significant, not trying to diminish it. But I just feel like you guys are just getting started. Like I've I have yeah. yet to see any plateauing. I'm yet to see any kind of signs of, you know, it what is the word? Like um just kind of like general wear and tear of a group or a collective, you know, as it happens, people start to just like sour on each other. Like I, I think you guys seem to have a great relationships. So I'm just so excited yeah. to see where you guys go from here. Like I mean, you know, it's it's like and I was around for the Dev Jokes Rockets explosion. Um just as I was around for nineties and two thousand hip hop explosion, the thing I was around for all of that. So with, with our with our movement, it just again, I think it's it's like this self-belief. Like I don't think we're gonna compromise. We haven't. So that doesn't seem to be necessary. There was a time where, and shout out to all of them, Rockets went and got Nate Dogg for a reason, mm-hmm. not for the sake of the song. We do things for the integrity and sakes of the song and the sake of the music. We're not trying to make a move to look flashy. You know what I mean? Like I'm a big NBA fan. If you ever look through the history of NBA, any team that makes moves to look flashy ends up getting a diminished result. Mm-hmm. Whereas other teams grab people that fit in the pursuit of a championship, yeah, PJ, uh, PJ Brown doesn't look sexy, but he helps Celtics win a championship. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Whereas opposed to currently like the Lakers trying out this West, Westbrook thing. And I'm a big Westbrook fan, but that's a flashy move as opposed yeah. to a smart move. And I feel like backwards, we make smart moves. We're not trying to, you know, who we who we here to impress. My pen, my pen is flawless. I don't give a fuck yeah, what anybody thinks. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it is. And I'm just here to attack and attack. <laughs> so I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to stay me. I've been working on my style for so long. I don't really know how to do anything else, any other style. I wouldn't even know how to, you know, Puffy can sit me down in the room and be like, hey, you know, I'll be like, all right, well, call Chrisette. I don't I don't got a number. You, you call her. Like, help me out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I only know how to do this, this hard rock Brooklyn embedded um, hip hop that I do. Um, that's that's just my, my, um, my default. And I feel like all of our defaults are, are very... Um, groundbreaking and we always trying to push the envelope like you know i sit in, i sit around and i watch woods work and nobody writes like him no one mm-hmm. no one and so that's inspiring in itself and i'm his peer you know what i'm saying i i don't watch the lucid right because he kind of goes away and comes back but i see the lucid okay. come back you know what i'm saying um i, I work with prem like my peers they make it you know i do stuff with breezy brewing is it um i can't slap if, yeah. if you get what I'm saying, like I can't not hold up my part of the bargain. That's what I've been saying in a lot of these interviews I've been doing recently. I can't not hold up my part of the bargain. It's, it's important for me. Then when it's my turn, it's my quarter, to, um, you know, just to come with the annihilation. So do I you, think we all feel that way. Do you feel like, um, well, I actually have two questions, like what you're saying. Like, do you, when you write, whether it's for like a specific song or if you're trying to like conceptualize an album like a little Robert Hutton, are you, asking for feedback from any of these guys because obviously they would have i'm sure interesting things to say or I do mean, you kind of just go by yourself and then tell them this is what i got what do you think well it's it's, it's twofold like we all kind of go like we're all solo artists 
that's that's the thing. So the collaboration is just so natural. So we all go into our own like sound cave and come up with our stuff and then you know show it when when possible. But a lot of us really we write for our peers. Like I write for my boys um to dig my shit. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the first word, you know, if it, if they're not feeling it, I'll go back to the drone board easy before anybody in the public hears it. Um, and then secondarily, once I know, like, look, I had a lot of doubts about Little Robert. I'm very kind. I'm very critical of myself. And then it was um, to me, it was like a little style shift in terms of like what people had heard from me from Shrapnel and Shrapnel had the bigger wide berth. So now you come into Little Robert Hutton where I'm a little more impactful and I'm trying not to be I'm trying to be less clever. Like it was purposeful not to be as clever on that. I just wanted to be direct and truthful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if people were going to go with me. And Zilla was telling me, yo, shut the fuck up. What's wrong with you? Everybody's telling me it's a great project. And I'm still sitting there swimming in a sea of doubts just because I'm so critical of myself. So if my peers dig it, then subconsciously I ain't, I ain't worried about it. No matter what I say, I'm not. And that's just, you know, they're just the best testament because of, of the work they do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So if they accept yeah. it, it's, it's of that quality. You know? And is there a um, is there a feeling of like uh, what's it steel sharpened steel like uh, working mm-hmm. with these guys? You just feel like it just helps you naturally hone your craft, and also like, do time. you feel a sense of competition, like friendly competition? I guess you could say between them. See, our competition isn't as like open as like um, say like Wu Tang's and yeah. Blueprint was. And That's they what I'm thinking we about. Going, yeah. We weren't going at each other. We were trying to, but our comp, but there is a, is a level and there's a standard that's unspoken. And we definitely operate steel sharp and steel like man sharp as man. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna be as best as my partner. You know what I'm saying? And I, I my partner is prem rock. Like I don't know if you're paying attention. Like it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. it's truly ridiculous. I, I I I lack adjectives sometimes to describe what my man is able to come up with. And so I can't slap. I I can't. You can't. The competition is you can't get to my part of the song and be like, hmm, all right, all right this is okay. No, nah, and that's not happening, man. Nah, man, and I and I know that for um, that's how shoot Arm and Hammer gets down like that. Like I remember when they first started, Woods would always say, "Lucid ain't smashing me on a song," <laughs> and, and that and that would be the standard. He would set that line. He's like, "I'm not getting smoked by Lucid," you know. And so that's that's when their level jumped. So it's just it's fun. It's 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 more enjoyable. Like, but at the same time, we all internally, subconsciously know there's a certain level, and um, if we ain't at that level, it's time to hit the drawing board again. No it feels like there's a, a real strong culture of like excellence. That's what I, that's what I get. You hear that again, yeah. you're talking about sports, like just being in like a crap organization, like the Browns finally are turning around in Cleveland in the NFL, but mm-hmm. man, like just going there, even if you had talent, she's like, man, you don't need to be good here. You just got to make it's contain- five You're games. just going to work. Yeah. You're just going yeah. to work. You're just yeah. clocking in, clocking out. And, and that's the thing. We've all been doing this for some time. We all can clock in and clock out on some hip hop shit. You know, I can make a song paint by numbers but that's not that's that's not my um that's not my dna like i write certain songs just because those are the songs i can write i know there's certain mm-hmm. songs that i do that nobody else does and it's not that's not even an arrogant thing it's just my style choice and by holding on to that and and understanding the importance in that that i have my own spot you know what i'm saying like you're going to get a certain type of song from castro and only castro and that's why you know that's why i'm still here mm. yeah and one thing I find special about the way you guys move more specifically with the wrecking crew now is that when you collaborate, whether it's on like individual tracks or projects like the excellent compilation steals kitchen, the results are obviously great, but 
also, I find it interesting when you all branch out and make your own projects, the results are great too. And showcase like fully fleshed out personalities and styles that like, if I didn't know you were part of the wrecking crew, it wouldn't like, it doesn't feel like there's a part of you missing. I'm like, Oh, you're just the curly solo record. It's like, no, it's the curly Castro album. Like there's not like, I don't think about it that way. And I find mm-hmm. this unique because there's often crews where either they only thrive as a group or they only thrive as solo artists, but then just look, make like crap shit albums like together. It doesn't work. But with the wrecking right. crew, it seems to work both ways. Like you have steel's kitchen, but then you have little Robert Hutton, Vegas, Vic from yeah. Zilla, Lord bearing crows fever, all the just incredible albums this year. Why do you mm-hmm. think that you and the wrecking crew folks have been able to have such a camaraderie and chemistry as a group yet still maintain like distinct styles that can live on their own? We're, um, we're Wu-Tang and Doom Baby. You know what I mean? Like, um, we grew up while they were crescendoing. And so if you look at Wu-Tang and how they used to branch off, a lot of Ghost and Ray stuff, but there's other connections, a lot of Jizza and RZA stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of Cappadonna, Ray and Ghost, which was different. A lot of Deck, Master Killer. You got, like, all of those connections were important because, again, you have to maintain that certain level no matter what you're doing. And it gives us a chance to express ourselves, you know, differently and stuff. So like when me and Zilla get together, we do Griff Company, which is different than when I work with Smalls solely and do mm-hmm. like Blue Edwards. It just, and then Doom with the alter egos, and but each one is still powerful. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Vic Vaughn doesn't, you know, doesn't step down to King Ghidra. It's just the different phases of, of you know, different seasons of that year, whatever he's feeling. This is fall, this is winter music, this is summer music. And again, it's just holding all of them as important. None of it, none of it is a quick grab. So like mm-hmm. the compilations, that's more so everybody. Oh, what you, what you, do you have anything laying around? Do you have anything extra that you, you know, from working on albums? Do you have a couple of joints that were cut? Let's put those together. Those are our compilations. But then next year we got the actual Wrecking Crew album, the LP coming. With Dope. some banging ass features that I think people are going to like. And that's just like me, Mezilla and Primrock just going at it. And Small's got some production on there. And we got other production on there. And that's, that'll be the full LP. And we hope everything can exist in itself. See, we, we're not competing against each, each other or ourselves. We're just giving you um, out, um, just product. We're giving you output. Yeah. And whereas some people, like their pro, them being prolific is like 10 albums a season or half a year. With the way Wrecking Crew does it, you, don't, you turn around, oh, shoot, there's five records right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we, yeah, didn't, we don't get in each other's way. We don't get in each other's way. We make sure everybody has their time in their slot, whether they're working with a bigger label, whether we're just putting out on the Wrecking Crew imprint, the uh, $3 pistol imprint. All of it is important. So I think mm-hmm. it was the um, the quality control for us got to a certain point where yeah. certain things were not acceptable. We do edits, we cut songs, um, and we do work together like that. So sometimes, like I said, we go into our cave, and then also is a time where I'll give Zilla an album, and I'm like, yo, arrange this one. Like, I, I can't I can't make heads or tails with you arrange it. Or I'll give Prem Rock a record and I'll be like, what songs don't don't belong? So we trust each other um, in that way with our careers too, to, to help each other be like, you know, there's no feelings. Like, is, yeah. is shit dope or not? Like, that's, that's my, my hip hop goes back to the basic. Is the shit dope or not? Forget anything else is confetti. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yo, I see, I see a lot of similarities when you're talking about Doom and Wu-Tang because I actually... When uh, when Doom unfortunately passed away last year, I remember I was doing like um, just like a commemoration, like my thoughts on Doom, like what he meant to me. And one of the key takeaways I got that like unlike almost any other artist, and I'll get to you guys in a second, is that 
a doom record always only sounded like a doom record. Like I never in my life, I heard a doom record. It's like, Oh, he was trying to do X trying to do Y like, nah, never. And same with the Wu-Tang in a way is that it's just such a strong sense of identity. Like again, Wu-Tang, like even if they tried to like branch out, it still felt like a Wu-Tang pop song. Wu-Tang like never felt different. And and like the last thing, which I find is uh, like, it's just coming to me as you're talking about like the edits and the quality controls that you guys also have really dope people that know sound and like know album creation. Like you got obviously Elucid, you got the God, Willie Green, you got people like Steel Tip Dove in your corner now. And even like, I know, I know all of you guys just know how to make albums. And I find that was the, the common like doom officer produced, but Rizzo was that guy with the thing. And I I feel like that's so key. That's the, you know, that's the unspoken and unseen that just as, as important as the people in the front line. So like, there was a point in time where like me and Zilla, we would mix our own projects or we would get somebody to do a master on it quick. And then there was a point where I was like, hold on, I have to pay for this. I have to pay somebody to do this. I have to hire Willie Green. He costs, trust and believe. And he's, mm-hmm. worth every, he's worth every penny. I have to hire my friend, my man, I Live, who actually mixed Little Robert Hutton, Willie Green mastered it. Mm-hmm. I got to get with Dub. Dub, um, he, he mixes and he actually records a lot of our shrapnel material. We record yeah. a lot of shrapnel there. Um, we did a whole EP there um, before we did um, the, the, the self-titled OP. Yeah, and that stuff is 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 just as important. There's no skipping a step. You know what I mean? And I know there was a point in time where you could get away with it. It was like that cloud rap time where like people were just listening through their computer speakers, mm-hmm. so it wasn't that disturbing. But it's still again quality control. What's important to you? If I have if, if it's worth something, then I'm gonna spend some money on it. And after a time, when you're doing this music, you gotta stop. You gotta start paying your friends. If you have if you have talented friends, you start paying your friends. You don't want to discount from your friends. You pay them. You know what yeah. I mean. And that way, you get the you get the better product and you get the mutual respect. And they deserve it. And um, after a while, hip hop is about putting things together disparately. But after a while, the free, the oh, let me get it on the eye, let me get it on the arm. That's not good enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, if you want to start, I remember when I was younger. I remember um, we did demos. This is like when I was rapping in the um, in the nineties. I've been doing it for a while. And you'd hear a song on the radio. And I was always like, damn, I want our stuff to sound like that. You know, it was like our stuff sounded like a certain way, but it was like a sonic ceiling. It only yeah. sounded, you know, but so good. And that's before I really got into mixing, mastering, you know, getting with um, engineers, like having them be a part of your crew, just as much as, you know, the grab cat, just as much as the dance cat, the engineer is part of the crew too. And um, that's when I sound my sound elevated, um, mm-hmm. like pretty much like Tosh. I had Willie Green mixing yeah. that. And, yeah, um, that album's insane. Thank you. And that that one, since it was such a uh, me paying homage to my heritage and uh, my lineage and where my family's from and stuff like that, I had a certain idea. Like I told them, I needed it to sound like dub plates from back then, like Catch a Fire. I was I wanted specifically for that bass to rumble. Mm-hmm. and play good and so green just i mean i'm, I'm always speechless when i get back mixes and masters from them because it's just like wow you know what i mean yeah like, it's insane but it's definitely important i mean long sorry i didn't mean to be so long-winded but it's important it's okay. in these days yeah. regardless of what you think people are just listening on airpods speakers uh you know um in their car it's important yeah even you're saying like the the music uh like the way people are listening to 
I'm not a fan of AirPods, but they sound million times better than like the initial earbuds or like radio speakers. So it's like, I do think that's an interesting parallel. Like people need to start thinking about that, like the the, the details, because people are listening to music with better quality shit. Like it's not like, like our, when they stole ones, it was certain, but now you're right. But now like the headphones are in your ear. There is like some type of bass registry and things of that nature. Yeah. That's, they, they're building them with that in mind. So yeah. listen to it. Like sometimes it's like a breath of fresh air hearing like quality, good, clean, well-worked on music even from back in the day, like, it's just like, oh my goodness, it's a great inhale to hear mm-hmm. it as it's supposed to be heard. Like some old Ray Charles stuff, that stuff blow your mind when you hear it properly mm-hmm. through the right channels. So don't muddy it up, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're playing it out loud, okay, have a good time. But like, if you want to get intimate with your music, it's important for the sound level and sound quality to be there. And you know, the headphones will let you know. Yeah. Well, I loop around the block with my head on swivel with a manny face baklava. Pete off the pistol, baby Jordan on cock. Harold Miner on missile. If you riddle me this, will it detonate your mental? I'm at a loss for words, Mike Tice off the givens, but I'm ready for on the break. Skip to my Lou Williams. Um, so I want to dive into shrapnel now because, as I said earlier, this was my first true introduction to you, and what I was really taken aback uh, from was or with was just how raw it sounded. Like it was in. It was insane. And this album mm-hmm. feels really intentional now that I've listened to both yours and uh, Prem Rock's catalog is that it seems very different from the rest of your work because you have like first the one two punch of your like more like animated urgent delivery, Prem's mm-hmm. like more steady, careful, mm-hmm. precision type thing. And then Elucid, the sound terrorist. I love that fucking thing you guys put in the bio. Yeah. It was like the sound he terrorist was. himself producing the vast majority of the album. Like it seemed very like, thought out and like intentional so like how did the idea come about to team up with not only prem but uh include a heavy dose of elusive beats as well like was it a concrete idea that you set out or was it like we started making a bunch of music together and this kind of formed naturally so me and prem we we were working together you know um doing wrecking crew business this was like prem would just kind of join the wrecking crew so the shrapnel idea i always tell people it was the best idea we never had so we're performing, we look good on stage, we're, I'm featured on his, like one clean, well-lighted place. I think I'm the only vocal feature on there. I make sure he'll have a place for Prem. And so what ended up happening is Prem had a pack of elusive beats and I had a pack of elusive beats separately. And um, I don't remember how many, it was like he had 10 out of eight or whatever like that. And so we were both talking about it. And, and the first idea was like, oh, we can make these EPs and you'll be side A, I'll be side B. And then some reason again it, it was like kismet like a big lightning lightning bolt bolt over our head and it was like oh yo let's do a project like and it was like it was almost like a dub moment like duh of course we should do a project like obviously mm-hmm. and then and it was funny because we would tell people it's like oh yeah i'm gonna work with prem we're gonna do this project like, oh that's a great idea of course da, da, da. they already envisioned it before we even said it and so that would that reinforced the idea for shrapnel and we just got to work and so since he had the, so we just combined the beats. I remember he had one beat in his pack I really wanted, and I had one beat in my pack that he really wanted. So it was just like it just made made sense to put them together, and that way we have a stronger, um, a stronger uh, base to choose from. And so we just got to work. I would, um, I was working at the time, so I could only go over there like Saturday, Saturday. I would go Saturday night, stay up. We do all nighters writing recording we demoed a lot of this work so that was also an important step we did a lot of demos before we went and, and recorded the finals and then i would um we would stay up all night 
and maybe crash at like six in the morning. Yeah. And then I would go to sleep for like two hours and I'd get back on the train or the bus and come back to the Philly because I had to go to work on Monday or whatever like that. And we we just doing that, just plugging away. Um and it was a new energy. It was um like people work, you know, by themselves. We wrote all of that shit together, first year after record. Like we all wrote that in each other's presence. And that was refreshing because that took you back to your old roots, your old like yeah. hip hop crews. When you had that type of time, nobody has that type of time. And plus I live in Philly, he lives in New York. So it was just important for us to craft that together. Um, we we working on the next drop on the record. It was, it, we we done it a lot different with the pandemic and stuff. But the first one, it was pretty important for us to like that stuff together. And like, it'd be funny. So we would take shifts. Um, I'd go to sleep for like an hour and Prem would stay up messing with the beat or whatever. And he'd record a little demo. He'd wake me up. He'd go to sleep. And I'd check what he had and add mine. And, and it would just, it's that back and forth. So it was very organic. And it was a good starting off point for our for our group um, to, to show how important it was, like, just to go back to the old man way of the craft. You know what I mean? It, it was almost so throwback. I wish we had, like, uh, I wish we had rap books. We was all writing in our phone. Mm. Like, the only way it could have made it more classic if he was writing it down, yeah. like, with a pencil and a spiral notebook. Um, but, yeah, so that was an important time. Like, me and Prem, we're cool. We're really close. So that, that part took care of itself. Like, again, with Wrecking Crew, the irony is we're all friends. And we just happen to do music together. And so that would, you know, that works, that works itself um, out. Smalls, Nizilla, we've all been working with each other for years. But our friendships come first. That's dope. That that shows really because like on a record like Shrapnel, the chemistry is so natural, organic. Like you guys are literally like on the same mic practically, just taking turns, like I don't know, tap me in kind of thing. It's it's yep. crazy. It's really crazy. What is it like? What is why do you think? What is it about Prem's style that you think makes him such a good fit for you specifically as a partner? He's one of the best writers I've ever saw encountered or worked with in my life. Um, so he keeps me challenged because I shoot, I, 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 you know me. I think my style is more basic out of all of us. I think I'm the I'm the most yeah. basic, straightforward one. Uh, I don't think I'm like short myself. I just don't. You know, these cats come with some colorful shit. Like, mm. like give me my you God sixteen. Put you in the mouth <laughs> and I get the fuck out of here, you know, straight from Bolivia raw. That's how my shit is. And so the way he's able to um, paint scenes and stuff and some place, go places with his flow. Um, Prem has a lot more um, flow choices than me. And that's just, that's just practice. And so when he does all of that, I'm like, I'm, I'm like Woods. I'm like, oh, he, ain't, he ain't smoking me on this joint. I'm going to come with something. I got to come with something. So I, I, I try to, I try to really come with a serrated blade when it comes with Prem. Like I'm really trying to like leave like gashes. Like that's our name, Shrapnel. Like Shrapnel was just when you thought it was safe. Like we dropped the project just when everybody thought it was cool to come back outside. And next thing you know, all the nail bonds and everybody scarred the fuck up. Now you gotta run back. It's too late. You already triggered yeah. the claymore, man. Boom, boom, boom. We be blowing up the line. And that's that's how I felt with Shrapnel. Like just when y'all thought it was cool. Just when y'all got a prem solo, you got my solo, you got some record crew shit, you got some backwards shit. Nah, shrapnel is like the fucking shake charge thrown through the window and just bam, everything blows up, smoke everywhere, coffee. You don't know what the fuck is going on, but you got cuts, you bleeding and shit. Yeah, that's that's shrapnel. That's fucking fire, man. I love that. I love that description. Uh, so you know, in my opinion, you're talking about now, like your like your special traits. I see, I really like that delivery. You're saying like. I wouldn't call it basic, but I get what you're trying to say generally. Like, it's just the energy, it's bold, but you also have like- I'm a, I'm a blunt of, instrument. I'm yeah, a blunt yeah, instrument sometimes. Yeah, it's the bluntness, so. the rawness. I love that. And 
it's uh but then you also have a lot of substance lyrically with like a real boldness and like unapologetic nature as we are going to get into with little robert hutton that with the ideas that you explore so um i find it really interesting even like with the insane haram feature just that line about puff like i remember just being like <laughs> it's not like it's the first time i maybe heard that expressed that i sent to me but the way you said it, i was just so blunt to the point i was just like mm. fuck puff i was like yeah, and it makes you feel good, right? Fucked up. Yeah, and, and I was like, holy shit. And, it, and it, <laughs> the power in that line is I'm calling him Puff. So it's it's taking you to a certain time when he had that name, which mm. was when Biggie got taken out. And I yeah. and look, I'm from the time where there was a big backlash against Puff, period, before Biggie popped. Like, I'm from the time when rappers used to wear, like, the Ghostbuster logo with the strike through it with Puffy face on it. Wow. And it would sell all around Philly. Like, that's how Matt, you know, Puffy's the anti- but it's the same way that I didn't appreciate Jordan growing up being a Knicks fan. This motherfucker's amazing. Like, what is, look what he's doing with music. And, you know, mm -hmm. you're having a good time. So, to me, I had to divorce that and appreciate the music. But at the same time, that period of time when we lost Biggie, it was like Survivor's Remorse should keep him fucked up. Like, he was yeah. jumping around making songs. And everybody can grieve how they want. I'm not yeah, judging yeah, them for that. Yeah. But definitely everybody felt in their mind, like, fuck Puff, yo. Yeah. You know, and, and if he feels that, then he should feel it. We're not wishing it on him. But Survivor's Remorse is a motherfucker. When you survive and your man don't, you carry that. You have the responsibility to his family and his children. You mm -hmm. know, because a, a couple of inches here and there, like, seriously, let's say... If Biggie was leaned back in the car, maybe Puffy would have pulled. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that brush with death really should make you think twice. And I think he did kind of clean himself up because he did change a little bit. He brought God or you know, he probably mm -hmm. had that moment. But we're gonna have our moment in hip hop. And we miss Biggie. Yeah. And survivors are more should keep him fucked up. You know, that's just that's that's just that how I always felt. Yeah, yeah. And like as you're saying it right now, although it's definitely a feeling that a lot of people also felt it still is like could ruffle some feathers be quote-unquote controversial and i find you do that a lot like you like that's what i appreciate a lot and so my question is like do you ever feel like hesitant or self-conscious to really be kind of controversial or radical a, in your music i'm a blunt instrument blunt i'm being the first word instrument being the second so i'm going to use that to rattle some feathers. I had a time, there was an actual incident where I had a, um, I had a confrontation over the phone with a rapper while they performing. So the rapper might not even know the confrontation meant as much to me as it did to them. And um, I wrote a rhyme about it and I got my feelings out about it and I dropped names. And I had, a, and we had um, an associate at the time that told me to take the names out because he might have some dealings with these people and he didn't want anybody to burn that bridge. Mm. And I did that. And he, and this, and, and whatever he was working on didn't come out. And I was like, you know, I'm never fucking doing that again. If I feel something in my heart and I want to express it on a rhyme, that's what I'm going to do. This is the best thing that I do. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to short myself or my message for that. And so be it, if they've been rough with some feathers or somebody feelings hurt because it's the truth. Yeah, that's probably why it hurts. That's probably why it stings. Oh, fuck! Castro said that. Oh, he's telling the truth again. Shut him down. But I did. I did come. Come with it. I, I met many of comments. I'm just like I'm not confrontational, but I don't. I'm not backing down. Yeah. I done been in battles face to face with catch. You know what I'm saying? So that's nothing to me. So like I'm. I say it because I meant it. And especially with stuff on, on Little Robert Hutton, especially this this year, last year, I've just been. Um, I'm gonna say what I mean. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, and I'm me what I say. And, and that's a great segue into actually getting into the Black Panther, Bobby Hutton inspired little Robert Hutton. Absolutely excellent album, but honestly, that's Thank just you, such a understatement. Um, little Robert Hutton, in my opinion, is legit one of the best, like, well put together concept albums I've heard in a long time. And Thank one you. of the no man, Appreciate one of the key that. reasons I like it so much is that it obviously, on one hand, provides me with a certain understanding of Bobby's life, the movement of the Black Panther. So it's like you know, educational, informative in that way. But on the other hand, it's really tasteful in how you did it because it's not like like you just made a bunch of songs that are like basic Wikipedia pages into song form. Like there's musicality. I'm fucking glad you pulled rapping. that out. So, like when you do something like that and you want to make a nod to a legend, um, an icon, martyr, unfortunately, and you want it, and you and so I'm big on like titles and concepts over like an umbrella. So this is what I do. I, I create like an umbrella for my record, so that way the rain can fall where I want it to. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't have to beat you in the head with. This song is Bobby Seale, and this is Huey. So, like, come on. Like, being heavy-handed with education doesn't work on kids anyway. So it definitely is not going to work on adults. You got to be a little more subtle. You know what I'm saying? So I'll mention this here. I'll drop the word Panther here. I'll mention something that I want you to look up. Um, I, I say this a lot. My writing, like, rappers go to um, comfort zones. So rappers go to cars and guns because they have numbers in them, and they're easy to rhyme. This is, this is just rapping 101. So you can get the Q45 in there, can shoot the four five and uh, get it more live. It's right there. Yeah. But what I do is I'll put black icon, black historical figures. That's my safety. You'll hear those names in my yeah. You'll hear about Baldwin, you know what I'm saying? You'll hear about Toni Morrison, you'll hear about Barack, um, um, Mary Baraka. Because I want you to, those are gonna be recurring. All my songs, you're gonna hear them multiple times. So then, oh, what's he talking about? Let me look that up. You know what I mean? Let, you know, if I wanna follow that, let me, let me, let me open this up. And um, back in the day, I used to be more verbose. I wanted to be more multisyllabic and make people try to figure out the words. Now I want people to figure out the names and figure out the legacies and the power that we have as a culture. So that's that's what I try to do. No, and I you saying you mentioned like education just now, and um, I'm wondering, given the fact that obviously the the movement of the Black Panthers has historically been a topic that's been like grossly mischaracterized, weaponized whatever other eyes you want to add to that it's been gone through it all and even as someone as myself who's not i wouldn't say i have a huge understanding i have like base level knowledge and all of that Mm -hmm. of the of the movement but i found it was super enlightening and just like again kind of sparked me to like deepen my understanding uh especially given like recent events too but just generally like it just seemed very urgent the way you delivered, like it mattered. And I really think that you did it justice. So what was your goal in creating this concept album? Was it to give people like a proper view, context surrounding the movement overall? In a general sense, um, because this is just my content, you know what I mean? So like most Castro projects, you'll find the militant side of it at all. And I remember like um, being a you know big, big supporter and follower, like a little Bobby. And I thought, you know, that's a nickname, right? Little Bobby, and had the L-I-L with the apostrophe. I said, to give him proper homage, let me open it up. Let me like little into little, let me little into little, mm-hmm. and Bobby into Robert, which is his, his, his um, given name. And just to give it more breadth and scope, like this this was a young man, but he was more man than he was young. And and by doing that, you know, we're gonna you're going to peer into the Black Panther movement. You're going to hear me mention Hoover. You're going to hear me mention 
Cold and Soul Pro here and there. I, mean, I actually don't say Cold and Soul Pro. I don't think on this album, but I've mentioned it in, in past things. Yeah. And I'm I'm a product of my history. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a black scholar. I always tell people intelligence is not a handicap. You know, who cares how it looks or how it feels? You know, being informed and knowing your history is important as much as um as much as knowing how your blood flows in your body is important, knowing how the history flows in your brain. Everything informs itself. So I think I didn't necessarily want people to go on like this Black Panther sojourn and stuff. I really just wanted people to check in with little Bobby, learn about his story, read about him, his family, see how he was supported by the Panthers, learn about um, Fred. It was interesting because we wrote F stands for Hampton before um, uh, Black Messiah dropped. I didn't even know that John was dropping. So we wrote that. We wrote, yeah, we wrote that record like, shoot, a year before. I I was working on Little Robin for about two years. So, yeah, and that was interesting that when we dropped, and um, when we dropped that, that dropped, and I was like, oh, cool, this is perfect time. You know what I'm saying? Bring him back into the focus. A lot of people not don't really know about Chairman Fred. And so my, our song was, was um, just running parallel to that. So definitely stars lining up. Um, and now is a good time. Like, if you don't know your history, we're, def- we're definitely going to repeat it. There's a lot about weapons rights and stuff like that. So I want people to see an organization that knew how to carry that out on their own for their own agenda. One big thing I think people miss out on the Black Panther Party is the um, the efforts to uh, support the community with food programs and education programs. Everybody sees the weapons and storming the Capitol, yeah. but they don't they don't count how many children they actually fed on a daily basis in multiple cities across the country, and how that was an important um, solution to a very bad issue of um, hunger and um, child starvation, which was prevalent through all inner cities at that time, mm-hmm. that they wanted to um, conquer at the medical centers that they raised. Nobody, of course, that's not the sexy stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? That's not yeah. bombs or shootouts with cops and stuff like that. But that, that was the real meat and potatoes of the movement. And so with those things kind of um, coalescing, like the Fred Hampton movie coming out, the um, social issues going on today, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. You know what I'm saying? I had it ready. I, you could ask Woods. I was I was chomping at the bit. <laughs> He'll tell you he had to hit the brakes on me many a time. I'm a very anxious artist sometimes when I feel like I have something urgent to say. But he, he's, he's the captain, so he'll tell you, mm-hmm. like, no, hold on. This is going to drop him. So, and yep. I wonder why, out of the other key figures, like you mentioned Fred Hampton, like, why did you choose Bobby Hutton specifically to be kind of like the, the lens for this, this project? Mm-hmm. Why him particularly? Well, I felt like as a, as a black people, why do we have to lose our innocence to sacrifice for our rebellion? And that's what I felt like little Bobby was. He was so young, but he was mm-hmm. so old, he was, he was wising, but he really gave up his youth for the movement. And why do black people have to do that? Why do we yeah. have to give up our innocence just to sacrifice ourselves for our generations to come? Because that's really what's happening. Once you give up your innocence, you become a sacrificial lamb to make it better for the people to come after. And that was always my question with him. You know what I'm saying? Like he was in a shootout um, with the cops with Eldridge Cleaver. Cleaver's alive and well. Yeah. to Algiers with his crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So like that always rubbed me wrong when I read that. You know, um, the youngest member to join, the first member to join was also the first blood, you know, first blood drunk. And other people survived and did their thing. So um, he was a very important figure to me. No matter how short his breath was, his legacy was eternal. And I wanted people to remember that. That's beautiful, man. And that, that, yeah. Yeah. The way you described that, it, he, yeah. Yeah. I don't have much to add to that. That's just, just really well said. Yeah, and I'm glad you made the album because uh, I feel like most people, if they do know anything about the Black Panthers, 
I don't think he's necessarily the top of the list. So giving him, no, I mean, proper... you know, the sizzle reels, Bobby Huey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Angela Davis, you know, of course. And those are the, those are great stars. And um, um, in fact, oh, I think a political prisoner, Russell Schultz just got out. I think he was a former Panther. He just got out of jail the other day. Um, Geronimo Pratt, um, he changed his name to, um, Yaga, like these people are important. Stokely Carmichael, um, yeah, they're all important. Um, uh, um, Emery Douglas, the artist that drew all of the um, newspaper stuff. It's just good to know them because they were, they were, um, these things were important to them to reestablish our culture and hold our feet steady because we was getting pushed back. They were trying to yeah. bury us, you know what I'm saying? Um, they called the Black Panther Party the most dangerous organization on the um, in the country, yeah, and that meant they were scared. That's what they meant. They were scared of the empowerment. Um, yeah, and, and and to me, it was the impression. You saw brothers and sisters look like they knew what they were doing. And that alone, that image alone was it's always going to move people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, when you're seeing people run for their lives from dogs and hoses and stuff, or getting burst up, it's it's an image that, you know, you scatter, you run, you know, you're trying to survive. Look at look this obstacle. When you see these people standing shoulder to shoulder, with weaponry, knowing their rights, how to load, how to be in formation. It's, it, and it's imposing and the cops back off. Yeah, yo. Yeah, I always, I still get chills when I see that. In footage and movies, whatever, that, that was important to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't listen to my mate ace, I must have to call. Can't recall, try that new cap or wear a VR. A gullaball, let them sell me on that newly bazaar. Special agent package, found his shop in the mall. Strap me in at the same time the crazy begins. Second skin, open mic, man, I thought it was him. Then in pig Latin, got a message from twin. Ed Gay or Ye asked two more shit. Another thing I really like about this album is that not only is the lyricism so bold as we've gone through now, it's the sound too, I feel mirrors this like fiery combustible kind of feeling like your raps, the beats, they feel like they're about to explode. And often they do. It's like a a real, really keeps you on the edge of your seat. So zeroing in on the sound specifically, I mentioned deaf jokes before, because I feel like there's this kind of like, it's kind of like this feeling I get from it. Although it doesn't sound like their records, it has a similar like vibe I get where there's like futuristic, wacky or strange left field sounds, some prominent oh. jazz, but it's like really yeah. brash too and like on uncompromising. And hearing Mr. Liff like on Killmonger, yeah. great, great fucking song. It legit felt like a beat that would have been perfect on like iPhantom um, uh, back in so, 2005. So tell me more about the sound that you were hoping to create with your producers. Was it something that you envisioned previously or was it just kind of working with what they gave you and like the pack of beats that they sent you? So I did go in with a, um, with a sonic um, destination. So the tagline for the record was what if little Bobby was equipped with Afrofuturism weaponry of today against Hoover and his minions. Mm. So I was actually looking for some futuristic sound and beats. And that's where you get the dose for G dub pieces. Um, that would be, um, AAVE and Sawfish and Owens. He he's really into that industrial EDM, fast drums and um electronic sound. So I was going for that. And I actually um I, I've been saying this in some interviews, Cryptic One blessed me with some banging beats in that realm. But I also was getting some really good contributions from other folks like um August Fanon, mainly a lot of beats from him and stuff. And so with their with their contributions, I started getting into this like haunted or like Harlem horns type sound, like mm-hmm. stuff you would hear on a smoky Harlem night. 
in the black renaissance walking around when you might bump into a beat poetry scene so i was starting to paint like that picture and melding the current with the past in terms of like the horns are haunting you got some futuristic stuff in there you got some beat switches in there and i just wanted to like maybe even like tap back into there's a little bit of harlem renaissance ish in there but again it's all rooted in the black experience like that's the sound to me was about the black experience so then when i started picking more beats i was just feeding that urge and then it just you know to me this all came together i know it's a lot of different producers and different sounds but i hope i did a good job of like no i i think you did i think it was really cohesive and and i think it's pretty remarkable how cohesive it sounded because another part of the album i found really interesting is that it seems like there's a pretty consistent maybe maybe i'd say like cujo taught me and then the final track maybe breaks up this point but it seems like there's a pretty um distinct kind of like high energy song and more of like a mid-tempo kind of song and it kind of feels like i'm going on a bit of a ride mm. and i really found that interesting again given how many different producers are on it was mm. that like some kind of conscious decision to kind of like have songs that kind of like vary like that pretty consistent well i mean it's just um just the mode I was in when I was creating the song. So there was a point, cause I, that's another thing, like I told you, I've given record crew members my albums to arrange. I didn't want that this time. This is all my creation. I mm-hmm. picked the beats, I arranged it, I titled all the I had no outside input whatsoever. Um, and so when I was arranging it, I just wanted it to have that type of ebb and flow, kind of yeah. like my own flow. So like, even when I spit, I'll go high, I'll go low, I'll get a growl, I'll jump mm-hmm. into some patois sometime, whatever. And so I kind of wanted the album to have that like organic flow and you not knowing what's next. It, it was important for each song to exist on their own. So if I were to play these joints at like an opera or something, 60 uh, amphitheater, each song can play from the beginning to end. You got a beginning, middle, end, and they can exist and I could walk off. And I wanted yeah. that to happen. I wanted each song to have their own moment. And if that's the only thing you listen to today, it's still a big, um, big enough moment. And so I tried to do that. But each song is powerful in itself. So when I strung them together, that shit took care of itself in terms of like it flowing from one to the other. So you're taking the heights and then maybe I'll mm-hmm. cool you down. But that cool down song is just as powerful as the heightened song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the ways that you do that is like between songs, as I mentioned, but even like there's quite a bit of like beat changes. And one of the most obvious examples of that is Black August in four parts, a mm-hmm. uh, song that has four distinct August Fanon instrumentals love the song could be my favorite i don't know it's hard to pick honestly but i'm curious how that came to be did you like because i feel it's like almost like a centerpiece of this record it's so impactful like lyrically too it's like so somber at times so high energy and high stakes feeling yeah so that one was um that was like the good problem to have like so august sends you giant packs and there's so much quality in it it's hard to turn down beat so i ended up picking a bunch and then when I started doing like my track count, I was like, God damn, I got too many beats. I literally did. I just had too many. So I started thinking, well, what can I cut? What can I cut? And those ones, those four, I was like, wait a minute, I really like all four of these, but I can't knowingly make four songs because then I would eventually have to cut one. Um, I just know that's just the math of things. So I was like, all right. So the hooks came to me quickly. That's That was the one thing about that song. I got all the hooks. Mm. So I had all these hooks and I was like, all right, so I want the hooks to stay because they're pretty good. So boom, let me just one verse each a beat and make it one song. And I knew it was like a challenge because it would be the challenge, the most challenging song for the listener. It's going to be the longest song. It's four parts. 
but I also was making this like the spiritual, like um, cousin to Tragedy of War in three parts that's on Company Flow's oh, first album, Plus. In the middle part, there's no rapping. It's just like a break and then yeah. there's a rap. But that's where I was going. I was like, all right, I listened to that a couple times. So I said, okay, see, this worked. If this could work, I can do the second type of that. And that's, that's why I call it Black Oak in four parts. Four parts. The spiritual um, continuation yeah. of that. And I just thought um, the hooks were that important. I could do some confident verses. This will give me a chance to actually dedicate a piece to Little Bobby and not have to make a whole song, which could have been, um, you know, I could have I made it cliche. I feel like the way I did it was um, was good enough. And also get, like, to me, Black August is like the Black experience. So the first part is about them snatching us, doing horrible, unhuman things to us and how we should react. Second part is... Um, this is what it was what happens when black flesh touches the soil. This is little Bobby and his um his experience, how he turned into a martyr. Third part is um the cops are out here just wilding. There's on a rampage. And then the fourth part is you maybe it's time to weaponize yourself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Black hole, you know, black hole gun. Once it's spun, it's deer hunter 101. If anybody knew that movie, you know, that's what it is. The hunt is on. Oh, yeah, it's really powerful. And I do think the way you did it, like it, it gave you, yeah, like even the way you can describe the four parts so succinctly in like one sentence, it just shows like like the um, the breadth of like a statement you could make versus making like a straightforward song. I feel like it meant more, especially with the beat switches, like the Phenom beats really gave you different, really quick feelings of different kind of emotions though. And I, that, that and I think brilliant. that the message is one thing, but I think the showcase is Fanon, you know, so that's why I named it Black August, because we do have a Black August to celebrate Black excellence and Black August, that's he, he is, he's the player, you know, so I just wanted to really showcase that. And he has another, he has another beat, another beat switch, because again, it was just like the great problem to have. I had mm-hmm. too many, um, too many good beats and I had to find a way to utilize them all. Yeah. Properly. And another really key aspect of um little robert hutton but it's something i see on particularly like tosh when i think about it too they're obviously very politically minded you know important weighty themes and what you're talking about but you do have a quite a few collaborators which is it's not only something that's not usually common but it's something that i if i was an artist i'd be super hesitant to do because i would think it would be a risk of being you know disjointed not fully fleshed it if the other artists aren't on the same page. I feel like that's super hard to pull off, but like you fucking did it. You've done it multiple mm-hmm. times now. How do you yeah. go about deciding that, okay, like this song needs another voice to complete it. And like, how did you work with the collaborators on this record to make them fit the concept? Yeah. I mean, um, it's funny because um, me and Prem's not at the both records out. People understand that like load band crow's feet and little Robert Hutton almost like companion pieces. Mm. So it's almost like, um, you know, shrapnel part two, in the sense, if you look at it like more expanded, this is um, this is his lung. This is my lung. And it's 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 part of the two. And so. Um, so so the way that works is um, so I bring that up to say when Prem was working on a solo record, he goes inside. He doesn't barely have any collaborators, maybe a hook or two, but he doesn't really. Um, supply like feature verses a lot it's a lot of his writing and when i do records like if it calls on me i'm, I'm very much a songwriter i'm like okay boom 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 i've been rapping enough who would sound good to help me out here and um for like f stands for hampton 
Um, if you're not familiar, all of those MCs are from Chicago. Yeah. So the, the fact that Chairman Fred is from Chicago, it made sense. They all mm-hmm. call them my Chicago homies. And that's um, a number of them, Gyroscope, Tomorrow Kings, Cats, Sketch 25, Alex Ludovico, um, and Def C. And so it just, that's what it was. So like on the first, on the first, on the first official track, um, AAVE and Saltfish, um, that's my man Margell the Sofar. And so I've worked with him before. In fact, he's done like one of my most popular songs ever. He produced it. So I always have to give him a shout when I'm working on a project. That's just become like part of my um, working arrangement. When I'm working on a record, I got to hit up Margell just to mm-hmm. see what's cracking. And so I had an idea on a hook for a song and I wanted him to sing it. And the irony of that song is I sent him what I wanted him to do. And he did two versions. The first version, he did it. He had a whole bunch of other male vocalists, but he did it um, at the wrong cadence. He did it to like his own uh-huh. beat. And the second thing he did was not what I asked him to do. He just did something totally different. He made a whole new beat than something else. So I said, all right, let me take what he made and put it together with what I had. And that's how you have that song with all those different movements. And then you have, um, and he brought in Candace Wilson to sing at the end. And so it just came naturally. So like sometimes I'll have songs that are very challenging to me. And once I get over that challenge, then I have actually, um, then the rest of the album seems like it's more of a breeze. Mm-hmm. So AV and Saltfish was like my challenge on, but that that was the challenging song on a on a record like Blue Edwards, um, Habitual Line Stepper. That was the challenge song. Um, writing that, um, if anybody's familiar, that beat, I, I write it like the beats get like interrupted me, and um, and I had to write it like that. And it took me a long, long time to um, figure that out. But so sometimes I have a challenge song, and once I get that, then I keep rolling. But to answer your question, the collabs just come kind of naturally. Um, if the song calls for it, I'll, t- I'll call the cat and then see if we can work it out. Like some songs, the feature is the third, the third movement of the song. Like I might have had a different feature, two, yeah. two verses of the song ago, or I might have more verses. And like for F stands for Hampton, late in the game, um, the second member of Gyroscope, Focus, he gave me a verse that I didn't even know why he had, because I gave them both the song to do, and I got Colossal Structures verse first. And focus out, he was um, kind of busy, so I didn't know he was going to make the song. Boom, he sent me the joint last, like, 11th hour. I put it in there, boom, boom, boom. And then the song was better for it. Um, um, on Wood's part, on um, Killmonger Was Right, he, I got his verse kind of last, so he was, like, the end of the song, but his, his shit worked better at the beginning of the song. So, you know, all that type yeah. of rearranging goals. So it's just it's just my natural way of song creation. If I feel like um, I know, and I, I have talented friends. Oh I can't yeah, call it. And yeah, then man. um, and then sometimes I have legends that I can hit up. Like Breeze is like Oof. God MC. Um, we had him on the Call Out Culture podcast, and then I was like, yo, I hit him up. I was like, y'all need, I need some work, brother. Was good, and he was he was um gracious enough to bless me with that verse. Lift I got through with my man Griff, who does production. Jason Griff does production on the record. Yeah, and he's cool with Lift, and he hooked that up for me. And um, I always wanted to do that. Lift is one of my um, idols. Like I pat him off, shoot, I pat him my hair after Lift, straight up. And so, yeah. um, um, to get to work with him was very special. So it's just like if it calls for it, um, the music calls for it, I'll make the call myself, and then I'll try to um, make the song manifest. It's it's ill when you create a. So you'll have a version of the song in your head. Right? People might say this to you. And the best feeling as a, as, a, as a hip-hop artist is when the version that comes out of the speakers, Green has finally done his magic, sounds like the version you heard in your head. Yeah. And that's a great moment. I had that same moment with um, uh, Ghostface Targaryen on Shrapnel. Oh, the opening track. track. 
and we had a couple of versions and then Green took it and gave it back. And the song did something that I wanted it to do, but I didn't tell Green to do it. And it did. And I was like, oh, I dropped to my knees straight up. I was like, what was the I, thing I, you wanted it to do? Well, the um, he took the beat out in between me and um, Prem's verse. He took some of the elements out of the beat mm. to make it kind of have a low rumble. And then when Prem came back, he hit it with that stab. So it yeah. was like a lightning strike. And that's what I wanted. We had a version that was like that, but was more based on the vocal sample that we had on the song. And so we yeah. moved some of that stuff around and it just, and then that's another song, challenge song, because that beat is such a, that was such a challenging beat to do. You kind of had to pick your flow and stick. Oh with yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. There's not much um, to go off of there. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lucid just say, yo, hey, deal with it, motherfucker. Like that's, a, that's gutter for me. And so once we figured out that song, that was another song, a hurdle song that makes you feel better about the rest of the project. Yeah. So I always have those moments. Yeah, that was a tone setting track. That was for mm -hmm. sure for that album. Yeah, I like the way you I love the choices you made for features because they all they all fit the vibe and like the ethos of this record, especially people like Liff, Breeze Bruin. I feel like they just they stand for what they stand for in music. What I typically get from them is very like mm -hmm. akin to what, what you do. Um so I, I want to move now to some something away from your like in the actual like core music making work, and that's mm -hmm. some of the Really cool stuff you're doing outside of your immediate career making music, starting first and foremost with the Call Out Culture podcast, which you just mentioned, featuring you, Zilla yeah. Rocka, and uh, Alaska. I highly recommend mm -hmm. everybody check that out. That's for sure. I love like Dad Bod, Rap Pod 2, and a couple others, Crate 808, Next Movement. But honestly, I think you guys might be my favorites. You guys are also oh, fucking funny people, that. too. Like It's just, just fun fun to listen to. Um, yeah, what, what inspired you guys to actually start that? So um, Call Out Culture was like a, uh, an idea all of us kind of had kind of separately. So like me and Zilla, we're best friends. So we talk every morning while, um, while he goes to work. And when I was working, while I went to work. So we only have like, he was a family man. So we have like an hour in the morning to, mm -hmm. to get in everything. So we get to talk our comic books, our NBA shit, some hip hop shit, you know, and we're also business partners uh, with record crew and shit. So we have to get a lot in in that hour. And so we'd be going at it. And sometimes one time he said, yo, we should, this should be a pod. We should record these things. And I was doing another podcast at the time based on game of Thrones. So I was getting my podcast feet wet and stuff that that podcast is called a podcast has no name, shout them out. And so we was like, all right. So then me and Zilla had a couple of false starts trying to get it to going. And then him and Alaska were texting in the same vein. And I hadn't met Alaska just yet. I just knew him through the internet, but we hadn't like um, really talked that much. I'm just hearing there. And so Alaska came up the idea, said, oh, we should do a podcast. And then so Z was like, oh, well, let me bring in Castro because we're kind of saying the similar things. And so we just started, so we beta tested it first. So we did like six episodes that we did not release just to see how it felt and what we mm -hmm. would talk about or whatever like that. And we noticed that we talk about stuff that people want to hear, but everybody doesn't really speak on. And we keep our, our finger to the pole. So like, you know, like strict underground, not strict, but like basic underground. Um, and I just feel like it's a good time. We, we're, um, we're all hip hop intellectuals. So we all kind of know what we're talking about. We're all hip hop fans and we're all hip hop practitioners. So that all of those things are covered. We're bigger fans than we are even MCs. Well, that's just how it is to me. That's the balance. So we can talk about things objectively. We can talk about them subjectively. We can have fucking Alaska's weird old opinion about Nas and I could scream on them about that. We can have me and my um, obsession with um, 
hating Eric Sermon with every fiber of our body, like stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's a good time. And, and Zilla's a rational Philadelphia Sixer fandom. It all comes together in like, just like a gumbo of good hip hop feeling yeah. and good stuff. And we're all good cats. And like, um, Alaska's amazing. Um, I always say this, he's like, he is one of my hip hop idols. Hangar 18 was a big group in my mm-hmm. upbringing. He doesn't believe me, but I, their flows are crazy. So it's just all, oh, it feels good. And then what, what, what ends up happening is we're able to uh, combine our resources so I can get Arm & Hammer on the show and uh, Alaska can get Cryptic One on the show and uh, Zilla can get like Jeff Weiss on the show. So it's just like, when you put all that together, it, 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 great, it creates a great menagerie. And you know we didn't know, turn it to like a big podcast thing. We just do it because we love doing it, but we also got discipline with it. There's a little business side to it. Yeah, yeah um, It's a good platform for us to advertise our own stuff advertising people throw ads on us and we'll put them up for them and and it's just to me it's just a reiteration like we're consistent that's the best thing about the podcast is we stay yeah. consistent you're gonna hear about my record whether i'm on twitter about it you're gonna hear about it on on call out culture you're gonna hear a good hip-hop opinion and you're gonna have a good time too like we did this one episode we did a live watch of like uh the principal <laughs> and it's our lowest watch episode we're gonna do it again like we that's our tears and our patreon is about those movies yeah. about like the substitute and the principal so we're gonna live watch them and talk about it it's a good time so we just having a good time with it but also we we feel like we're giving our good content we definitely take a um a page out of super duty tough work those are like the podcast gods up there on the um, yeah. Mount Rushmore podcast um, my man blueprint and logic so I'll take a nod from them, watch what they're doing. They give out so many gems to stand up. They give out planets. It's so good. Yeah. And we're just trying to do our do our part and keep it going. I, I, I love that. I love that. And yeah, it's so authentic. That's the thing that you kind of get. And you'll do what you want to do that you guys find fun, interesting, and it and it translates. Uh, yeah. speaking of the crew at uh, Call Out Culture, I know you and Zilla in particular do do some artist consultation work. And I think that's super yes super commendable to show others how to thrive as indie artists and monetize their passion because that's obviously that be that's obviously what people would want to do most of the time mm-hmm. and so as someone who works in the space do you feel like there is some positive momentum recently behind indie artists you know like being able to have more success regain some of the power in the industry or do you think it's just trending negatively in your view oh no there's definitely um a very gigantic uptick in self-empowerment um, that's how, um, so me and Zilla, we do Griff Company consult- consultations and, you know, we find that different artists from all over the country, you know, they're all having very similar, um, quote unquote issues or, um, or similar, um, sometimes you just, you need a boo. Sometimes you need, a, um, a think tank to help you out of a rut. A lot of people are in their own, like, um, vacuum chambers, like they're bouncing ideas off themselves. And sometimes that's not the best way to, to yeah. make music or create art, you might need a peer to throw something at. And sometimes your, your friend might not be it. You might need somebody objectively to do it. So I think the self-empowerment of, because cats that are hitting us up, or they, they want to do it themselves. They want to link with labels. They want to get with other entities, but they want to do it themselves as well. And they want to be self um, fully functioning. And I think people look at our, our, um, our situations, specifically our Wrecking Crew and $3 Pistol imprints. And we've been going, man. Like we've been doing this thing. I've been rapping since the nineties and I've been in, we've been in this, uh, merch games since like the mid 2000s because i'm 2010 mm-hmm. on and it's just important to um have value in your work give it a proper rollout um give it um it's due diligence zilla follows a lot of marketing strategists and stuff like that and that stuff applies to hip-hop just the same the mm-hmm. same way a sham wow commercial man i saw that four times 
maybe you need to find a way for somebody to see about, you know, and it, yeah, sham wild, but it's in your head. And yeah. now you said it and you thought about the funny guy. Oh, yeah, guy. yeah. So like yeah, yeah. all that stuff can work in your benefit and, and you can find a way to empower and um and monetize what you're doing. Um it it's you think this this stuff requires work and and um input and output and you and you can make that you can make money off of that. It's it's value, you know what I'm saying? And and the and the value that you place on your music is that's how people are gonna take you. You gotta value yourself first. And if it's important to you, you'll invest in yourself. You might get um, consultation. You you might take a marketing course and stuff because all that stuff is applicable. And it's a great time for hip hop. I don't see it negative at all. Like even some of these young cats getting these big licks, like they getting big licks. There's nothing wrong with uh, success in hip hop on all levels. You know? mm -hmm. They look good. We look good. It's just different, um, different strains of the same weed. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. all smokable. Yeah, I feel I feel like there's been a trend of people realizing how the game works with more detail and, you know, understanding the the like the different avenues you can make money. It's not all one one size fits right. all. And right. I think like also the, the trend of physical merch is starting like I think that's not that new, but like it's starting to really become like a force. There's a I resurgence think. in that. Yeah. yeah. And everybody doesn't have to. I, I think people need to learn in hip hop. You can have the small wins. You can have your pocket of fans, and if you cater to them, they will reward you. If you got 200 fans, be good to those 200 fans. Yeah. Don't sit there and say, I got 200 fans, I wish I had 1,000. You got 200, work on 1,000, but honor those 200 because they'll rock with you. Yeah. And that is, that's the self-empowerment. You don't have the, the big lick of, uh, I don't know, making it on Jay Leno. You don't have to do it that way <laughs> anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or get on the Apollo and not get it pulled off it doesn't have to be yeah. the same steps don't have to be taken there's multiple um ways to reach any type of success that you're shooting for mm -hmm. and, it's, and that's what i'm saying the little wins if you value the little wins the next you know oh, i got a big win i got a big share i got i got merch that moves you know and i got platform rather than like oh man i wish i was on bet oh man somebody's keeping me from that well that's my slot oh, oh that's that's fugazi man yeah all that regret is you're sitting there being stagnant find other ways um, some people I know, they just make music for video games. They're having a great time. They make it paper, you know what I'm saying? And they're able to get their expressions out. So find, find ways to have little wins. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways and a lot of success in this game. It doesn't always have to look like, um, somebody discovering you outside of a barbershop, you being shined with two mega singles yeah, and going to jail. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that's, everybody doesn't have to do it that way. And yeah. because of that, I think it's, it's um, I think hip hop is doing great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I share that view. Um, all right. So one of the last things I want to ask is you kind of hinted at a few things. What do you have upcoming in the future? Like let's say the next year or so. Okay. Um, I could speak on it. We got another shrapnel record in the yeah. can. Um, different producers this time, but um it's it's its own powerhouse. It's, it feels good. I was listening to it the other day. It was feeling is good. it done? Uh, or is it almost done? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much, it needs okay. to get mixed and mastered, but it like as far as principal recording is done. Me and Prem worked on it, um, shoot all last year. All last year, we was working nice. on that thing, pining at it. Um, and then we had the Wrecking Crew LP, and that's that's almost done too. Like, really, like when I say that, I'm not just hyperbole, like, they're really almost done, almost complete. And so, that'll be coming out next year too. Um, coming up next month, we got um. Well, next month, me November, we got um the next career crooks record. Yeah, I um, saw that like today. That's sick. Yeah, that Zilla Rock and, and Small Pro, and the last time they was out was 2017. Cracking heads. 
So that record is ready, is, is set to drop. And then me and Prem just, um, you know, just rolling out, pushing out our solo projects. We just went on a, on a run for Little Robin Hutton and for Little Baron Crow's Feet. Just came mm-hmm. back. That was great. We got some more dates next year coming up. Yeah, I'll be at one of them. Can- yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, might hit, you know, we might hit the Canadian border and see what's good out there. Um, yeah. Sometime in March. I think we moved it to March. But yeah. yeah, so that's what's coming up. Yeah, and so just taking our time. I mean, the Shrapnel record will probably be out next fall. Just talking to Woods about nailing that down. Record crew record, I don't know. Um, we're working on that. And then, you know, might be an EP or two, the whole, whole folks over, stuff like that. Um, me and Prem, we work with um, this cat, AJ Swade. Yo, I fuck with AJ Swade a lot. Yeah, yeah, he. I'm glad he got that spot on that Prem record because that's one of his best, like best verses. Oh, he's killer. He's killer. We got we got an AJ Swade pack, so we might bless that. So yeah, we got stuff in the in the bank. We it's good because we we just keep working. I don't know how to stop or start, and so we always have things coming down the pipe. That's so right now we just want people to sit with these planets, orbit these for a little bit, and we we got more for you coming around the bend. And so. Yeah, my last question is related to the, the the shows. So I was going to actually see you legit, I think, in two weeks in Toronto. Yeah. That that's unfortunate. We got our fucking COVID postponed, but I already am gonna already bought the tickets. I think uh, Montreal this time. That one's gonna right. be the one I'm gonna see. So my question is, are you going to play Cujo Taught Me in your set? I hope. <laughs> I really, I feel like that has to play. Like, oh my god, hey, yo, this shit is fucking that's a, energy. That's a very difficult song because we, when I was crafting out the set, we just went on the road with. We went through a bunch. That is a difficult song. I will say that. So I don't know. That, yeah, I, I put it like that. I put it like that, but I, I, I'll try because that 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 song got some movements to it. And oh so, yeah. Like, I don't want to have like an asthma attack while I'm doing it, but uh, we'll see. I'll yeah, in, if anybody in, doesn't I'll know what that song, same. why I would even ask that question, just listen to the song and you'll you'll understand why I just asked that. So, um, yeah. but honestly, man, this has been like incredible conversation. Thank you so much for giving Thank me you, your bro. time, and I really think you gave a lot of great insight to this amazing little Robert you. Hutton record and just all your work. Appreciate y'all having me. You know what I'm saying? More to come, but yeah, we we just trying to trying to leave our pyramid steps, leave our big indentations in the ground, and um. I just like I just want people to check check our shit out, you know. Check the shit out now. Check the old shit. Keep in touch for the new shit. Um, you know, wrecking crew it's here forever. Here to yeah. stay. You feel me? <laughs> all right, Shablau and all of that shit. Yeah, Shablau, Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm, I'm man. Favorite. Take care, man. Really appreciate it. All right. Have Peace. a good one, brother. Peace. Stern tried with Ivo when them tried to ban his psycho But look who did him know he slang the code was survival Harry Kid would grab a balls, this my gun and this my rifle When the caliber's inside you shun the muzzle, snort revival We never would disarm, these are the lies that you were sold When your glory tripped up, you trade your weapons in for gold So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV I hope this episode gave you some fresh new perspectives on the latest rap releases, as well as a recommendation for the next great rap record to add to your collection. If you're an artist looking to level up your career, getting more gigs, album sales, merch sales, whatever it may be, I would love to help you with that by providing you artist development and writing services. So if you're interested, contact me via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com 
or hit me up via Twitter or Instagram at Rap Music Plug Pod. I would be honored to lend my expertise and help you grow your career as an artist. And also for regular rap fans that just want to hear more quality commentary on the genre, follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook to help the show grow and ensure that everyone's listening to the best rap music at all times. Follow the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Make sure you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that the show can be spotlighted by that wonderful algorithm and be exposed to more people. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace.